a beautiful thing when the Spirit of the Lord moves. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord Jesus. We're going to dismiss our children now, and you can be seated. Um, before we get into the Word, normally we would open up straight to the Scriptures, but we want to give some men an opportunity to share um, their experience. Just to encourage us, I mean, we have ministry time, and um, a lot of times all you get to hear is, you missed it, you know, or something like that, you know, but what we want you to know is what you missed, amen? So, and I missed it too this time. Usually I'm there saying, you know, y'all missed it, I, I missed it too, y'all. I mean, I wasn't there, but praise God, God was there, amen? And so, um, where's that, where's the microphone? I need a microphone, glory to God. Here we go, I got it. Troy has it, Troy, someone? Yeah, that, thank you. Brother Ozzy, he's going to come and share first. Amen. You wanted to share, right? You wanted to share. Right? They, they told me you wanted to share. Did I put you on the spot? You don't want to share? You're put on the spot? All right, all right. All right you got to share now. You're up here, bro. Well, <laughs> praise God. Well, I'm going to start by saying that I'm not a mic person. I'm a bass person. <laughs> so this is not... So I think that this is not my place, but. You're doing good. Yeah. This is just a, an echo of what God is going to do with the men. My prayer, my uh, encounter, um, especially this Friday, um, as all the men were together in a circle and we shared our stories and shared the things that we battle with. I was able to open my heart and open my, uh, my heart unto God and able to um, bring out the things that I battle with and the things that, you know, God wants to deal with me, and uh, I don't know why I continue to think of my son. I don't know where he is right now. And uh, as we were uh, worshiping just now, you know, God is stirring my heart for the youth. We as men need to pass that on unto our children, not only to show them how, what a man is supposed to be, but also what a godly man is supposed to be. And how breaking that generational bond, those gener generational chains they have kept us from completely giving in unto God, how breaking that will not only affect me, affect him and his children and his children and uh, I want to publicly apologize to him because I know that I have not been the godly father that I know God has called me to be in your life. And I only pray and leave it in the hands of God that he will guide me and he will instruct me in raising you from the, for the time being. But this is what God is doing. And what happened in, our, in the camping trip, 
it's only, like I said, it's only an echo of what God is trying to do. This is a reflection of what God did for us that Friday. I would like to thank Pastor Frank. He did something for me that I haven't felt in a long time. After we were done praying and we were done um, speaking, he gave me a hug and he said, I feel like you're alone. And honestly, that's one of the biggest things, one of the biggest things I battle as, as a man because I don't have my brothers here with me, my blood brothers. And I pray for them. And I ask you as a church to pray for them too and continue to keep them in your prayers. Amen. Amen. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Well, I, I'm, I'm not going to preach today. No, I'm just kidding. All the men want to talk now, so glory to God. Um, Troy, Troy first, and then we'll let Minister Rob do that. You got to teach? Oh, so you got to, hold up. All right, he's got to teach, so we're going to let him share. Thank you, Bishop. I'm um, sorry, I, I'm supposed to be teaching, but I wanted to um, also share. This year, man, camping, planning it, it was so difficult this year for me. I had been going through a lot of things. I had the children's ministry. I had things going on at home, at work, with myself. And then, you know, um, I look at the camping list, and I see 40 guys, and then I'm like, yeah. And then one by one, you know, I get cancellation after cancellation. And then, you know, some names on that list that didn't even have the courtesy to tell me they changed their mind. <laughs> and I was like, every week it was like another one, another one, another one. Not every week. Actually, it was days before. And I'm like, man, I don't want to go camping. I'm not doing this this year anymore. And as soon as I said that, I know Bishop shared a couple of weeks ago that mid-sentence as you're saying something that you know is not right <laughs> but you got that momentum and you end up saying it and I'm like these men ain't worth it y'all ain't worth it y'all didn't even have the courtesy to let me know something and it's when I said that I clearly heard God say but am I worth it you know what I'm saying and that turned my anger into repentance and then I started feeling this sorrow for the guys and I started praying for them and I, I'm like, I just released it to God. I'm like, whoever's going to be there is meant to be there, you know? And, um, and as you can see, the guys this morning were on fire. We, their chains were broken. And as I'm sitting there walking around the campsite, looking at the conversations being had, looking at everyone having fun, just enjoying, just looking at men, just break down and just reveal, you know, turning in their uglies and throwing it into that fire. I'm like, this is why. Glory to God, why I do this every year. Yeah. You know, so um, that doesn't mean next year I won't need help. So um, <laughs> I'm just going to, you know, I just wanted to say that, you know, it's just an awesome thing that God is doing with Minister um, Frank leading the way with the men's ministry. I know we're going to go take get taken to places that only God knows where, but I am excited about it. Amen. So I want to share that. Thanks, Amen. Bishop. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord, man. Amen. I'm not going to lie to this. Uh, I'm, I'm not really an emotional guy. Oh, yeah, I am. As the guys found out Friday, or what was it, Thursday night, um, I had a short explosion. We had put all the kids to bed. Pastor Chad, as rebellious as he is, <laughs> had to stay up till two in the morning. 
I, uh, I was okay until he slapped the aluminum table. <laughs> and I was like, that was it. I don't know what it was. The devil got a hold of me, and I marched in there, and if I could have had him off for lunch, I would have. Um, I love you, man. <laughs> and I went... <laughs> I don't, I don't even remember half the things I said, but all I know is that when I turned around, I ended up in my tent somehow. <laughs> <laughs> Crying, praying to the Lord. Why did I do that to them? Why? Well, it's because he wanted me to get it out of my system, I guess, because after that, I sat with Pastor Elder the next morning. We prayed. I know there's not a lot of you know that I've had some experiences that I've seen some pretty futile and some nasty human things. And uh, because of it, you know, PTSD or whatever else that seems to catch you when you do stuff like that, uh, you got to take medication for. Well, guess what? I forgot my meds this weekend. <laughs> it was pretty evident on Thursday night. <laughs> so, PA and I, we sat, we talked. He threw a pair on me, and it was like, wow. I don't think I yelled at anybody anymore. <laughs> I hope I didn't. If I did, I forgive me. But uh, the Lord has worked in me. He worked in me in this church. And I'm not going to take any more of your time, Bishop. But uh, the Lord has worked in me in this church. Um, I got baptized. Michelle brought me to, to, uh, to the church in 84. I got baptized, and we got married. And uh, I said, yeah, I'll be a team player. You know, dunk me, and let's get this over with, and we'll go. Carry on with what I got to do. I was active duty at the time and the heathen and going at it and, you know, all the infidelities traveling the world and carrying on doing different things. And uh, it's, it's, it's been a road of, I don't know how you say it, but it hasn't been a good road. Mm -hmm. And I came to you guys in 2013. It was January 28th. Um, Michelle said, I found a church. <laughs> I said, oh, I got to be a team player again. <laughs> <laughs> I walked up to the church. I think I was the first one through the door. <laughs> I ran into Pastor Aldo and his family. I was like, this is it. So I love you all, man. And this weekend, Frank, it wasn't your look. It was the Lord's look looking at me. It really was. Because you gave me a look when you walked up to the griddle and I was cleaning the heck out of it. You said, yeah. I said, this is just, uh, what did I call it? Therapy. Scrubbing it down. And he gave me that look. I'm like, yeah. I love it, man. Thank you so much. This is going to be a great year this next year. And I'm looking forward to being a real big part of it. I really am. Thank you so much. Thank you, man. Thank you. All right. Any, any other guys want to talk? All right. Glory to God. I'll talk now. I know. I missed it. So next year, next year, I wish Rob was still in here. Next year, we want to be worth it. All right, guys? So um, I was one of the ones that wasn't worth it, you know? Yeah. I, hey, I missed you guys, you know? Um, I just want you to know that I, I, I really did. Um, Lou and I were talking, and you can stand up. We're going we're to read our Bibles. If you open your Bible to the Gospel of John. Um, but I will say, uh, Lou and I were talking. He's like, ah, Bishop just didn't want to go. And I got to confess, a week before, I was like, man, I don't feel like going camping, man. But let me tell you something. I would have wished that I could have been camping with y'all and not felt as sick as I did. <laughs> because if I could choose between, you know, sleeping in a tent and, you know, all that and feeling sick, I'll take the tent all day long. So, 
Pray for me so next year I can go with, with, with camping. And, um, and I hope, I really pray um, that all of us, all of us guys will make it a point to, you know, mark our calendars as soon as we um, establish the date of when we're going to go and that we really make that happen. Because it's, I mean, I've gone for two years. I didn't go this year, obviously, but the two years that I've gone has been amazing. And, um, you know, from what, I, from what I see, this was even more amazing, you know. So it'll just get better as we continue to seek Jesus. Amen. So the Gospel of John chapter 12, and we're going to begin reading in verse 37. When you got it, say so. And it says, but although he had done so many signs before them, they did not believe in him, that the word of Isaiah the prophet might be fulfilled, which he spoke. Lord, who has believed our report? And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? Therefore, they could not believe because Isaiah said again, he has blinded their eyes and hardened their hearts, lest they should see with their eyes, lest they should understand with their hearts and turn so that I should heal them. These things Isaiah said when he saw his glory and spoke of him. Father, we thank you so much for your word that is truth. We thank you for your presence that has been here, Holy Spirit, even from this morning during our prayer time, Lord God. And I thank you that you've moved. I thank you for what you did in my brothers, Lord God, and what you're doing in them and what you will continue to do. I thank you for Minister Frank, Lord God, and his leadership. And Father, I just thank you so very much for the privilege to be in your presence today to be behind this pulpit today, and I pray that you would speak through me to my brothers and my sisters, Lord God. I pray that you would bring edification to our lives, that you would bring glorification to your names, to your name. I pray that we would not just be hearers of your word, but that we would be doers of it, Lord God. I pray that you be glorified in these next few moments that we are together, Lord God, and I ask you all this in Jesus' good name. Someone said, Amen. you may be seated in the presence of the Lord. If you do not have an outline, can you raise your hand? I uh, wanna make sure you get an outline. You have outlines, correct? Yes, we do. All right, good. I saw a lot of hands. I was like, man, maybe we don't have outlines today. I'm just kidding. I know Jonathan got that. I'm, I'm bad. I'm bad. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Keep those hands up. Want to make sure everybody gets an outline. Um, we, do, we, are, we are in our Connect um, season. Amen. We've been connecting. And so this week we're actually starting. Uh, very important. We have some workbooks for those of you that are in Connect. Make sure you get your workbook. If you don't have it today, you can grab those. Um, I think most of them are here. And um, so make sure you see your Connect group leader and that way you can grab those books. We are going to change up our scenario. Instead of going over the sermons like we have been in the past, we're going to be going through um, the, the gospel identity right now. And so that's what we're going to start doing. So it's important that you get your books so that way you can study, you can prepare, and um, you can be aligned. Keep those hands up. But nonetheless, the outlines, we still want to utilize them so that way you can take notes throughout the preaching of the sermon. Um, it's good for you to have conversation with your family, good for you to reflect on. And like I said during the summertime, it's also an opportunity for you to utilize what you're hearing as preaching to share with someone else. And I'm a firm believer in being a disciple-making church, right? So what that means is that you're not just being discipled, but that you're making disciples. And so what happens, what does a disciple do? What a disciple receives, a disciple gives. So a great way for you to be able to make disciples of someone else is for you to take what God is speaking to your heart, what you're hearing and just share it with them and that way they can be able to hear what God is communicating as well and you can make disciples so it may we make that easy um, and the last thing if you are not part of a connect life group if you're not part of a connect life group we want everyone to be part of a connect life group so it's so important to us that you do not you know do Christianity by yourself but that you are connected with the body of Christ that's what God created us for relationship with him relationship with one another and so it's important that you see pastor Chad he's the one who led us in communion um, um, 
Make sure you talk to him and he will get you connected. Amen? And so I see the hands down. And so we're going to begin to um, look at these. Um, this sermon here this morning was entitled, Believing is Becoming. Believing is Becoming. And so in this final portion of chapter 12, as Jesus preaches his final public message, we see the theme of the gospel of John, belief in Jesus. Remember, the book of the, the gospel of John is about what? It's about believing that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing in him, we may have life. That's what this book is all about, right? So it's for us to believe. And so we see this in this last portion. Now remember what we said. Next week we're going to jump into chapter 13. But this is the end of Jesus' public ministry. So for all of these chapters, chapters 1 through 12, Jesus has been in this public ministry. And now it's coming to an end. And he really preached his final sermon here um, to the public before he goes in private. He's got a lot more to say that he's going to say to his disciples in private. But this is the last time he's going to speak in a public setting. And so we see this message being um, proclaimed emphatically. And then as well, we see three groups of people that are personified here, and that's those who refuse to believe, those who seem to believe, and those who clearly believe. Those are the three groups of people that we're, that we're going to look at here today as we go through this sermon. Um, if we look at the second paragraph here, this is very important. If there is one thing we can be sure of is the fact that when a person truly believes something, true or not, right or wrong, that belief informs their thinking, affects their attitude, and influences their actions. Hence the reason believing is becoming. When you really believe something, it affects the way that you think. Because I believe it, so I think it, whether it's right or wrong. We see people that, you know, there, there's people that believe, you know, that when they die, I think they get like 100 virgins and all of this kind of craziness. And so, you know, when they die for the glory of their God. Well, that's a false belief, but nonetheless, it, it informs their way of thinking, right? It affects their attitude. It causes them to do certain things that you and I would be like, that doesn't make any sense, right? Like, why would someone do that? But it's because they really believe something, right? When you drive around and, you know, you'll see these young men that, you know, they're, they're, I think they're in, like, white shirts and, you know, khaki pants, and they got a tie, they're riding a bike, and they're missionaries, right? And they, they go around and they do that because they believe something, right? There's something that they believe, so it affects them, and it's, it's something that they do. You know, sometimes if you're, in a, if you're in a neighborhood that allows this, you know, Saturday mornings, you get a doorbell ring, you know, or you've had that, or someone knocks on your door, and they're out there, and they want to share something with you, and you know why? Again, it's because they believe something, and here's the thing. If we really believe the things that we say we believe, it should be changing the way that we act, if we really believe what we say we believe, it should affect the way we think to the degree that we are thinking differently, that our attitudes are different, that our actions are different, and that's what should be happening. And so that's what I hope to point out here this morning. And when we say, last paragraph here, when we say we believe in Jesus, there must be a marked difference in us from those who don't believe. And even those who seem to believe, our belief in Jesus must alter every area of our lives drastically without question, there must be transformation. There must be transformation. There's got to be a marked difference in us. And so this is the big idea. It is this. We must believe in Jesus to the loss of our lives and the development of his character. I'll say it again. We must believe in Jesus to the loss of our lives and the development of his character. One more time. We must believe in Jesus to the loss of our lives and the development of his character. 
We talk about we believe in Jesus, there should be something that happens to us that we love him, that we're committed to him to the degree that we are losing our lives, that we're not living for ourselves, we're not living for our own glory. Last night I was, um, I watched a documentary on a guy by the name of Rich Froning. For those of you guys that don't know who he is, he is the, he is the guy, he's won four times in a row, the fittest man on earth, the CrossFit competitions. He's pretty ridiculous. Um, you know, I mean, the guy is just amazing. 2011, I believe it was, or 2010, something like that, was, was the first time that he went to the CrossFit Games. When he went to the CrossFit Games, he didn't, he didn't get the first place in the CrossFit Games. And when he was giving his testimony, I was really wondering, because this was a CrossFit documentary, I wondered if they were going to talk about Jesus. I wonder if they were going to talk about God because he's supposed to be one of the big things that is known about him is that he's a Christian, that he's a believer. And I've never heard Rich Froning speak other than like a real quick interview. And so I didn't know what it was going to be like. And so they're going through this interview, and he doesn't talk about God until we get to this point that I recall. His wife talks about God, and then, you know, when they talked about their adoption process. But he said something that I thought was so amazing, and it was, he said when he, when he lost, when, when he didn't, when he, you know, he was second place at the CrossFit Games, and he lost, he said, you know what my, my issue was? He said, my identity was CrossFit. He said, my issue was, he said, I, I, I wanted to please people. He said, I wanted people to love me, not because of me, but because of something that I was doing. He said, my, his, 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 his motivation, right, was wrong. It was about him. And he said, you know, after that, he said, I had this experience. He said, I got baptized. And he said, and it went from that I had to read the Bible to I wanted to read the Bible. It went from that I had to pray that I wanted to pray. And he's like, and it really is, has become all about Jesus in his life, right? And so the point is that we, we can live our lives for ourselves. And it would seem, right, that I'm living for myself and I'm not living for something bad, but we have to come to this point that we are really losing our lives, that we are not living for our own glory, that we're not living for the accolades of men, and we're going to look at that in detail in a moment, but that we are really living for the glory of God and that as we are losing our lives, that we are developing in the character of Christ, that the character of Christ is, is becoming more and more evident in us right? That's what should be happening. That's what sanctification is, is about. It's about me going from looking one way to looking another way. That's what transformation is. That's what metamorphosis is, right? That's the word in Romans chapter 12 where, you know, the scriptures talk about do not be conformed to the pattern of this world, but be transformed. That word transformed is the word metamorphosis, right? And it's, and, and it's the idea of the way that, you know, a, 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 a you know, a worm, what, not a worm, but a caterpillar goes from being a caterpillar to being what? To being a butterfly. Hello, somebody. There's a loss of life that happens, you know, when it goes in the cocoon is death. Right? You think that looks like it's the end, but you know what? That's not the end. There's a process, and now this thing is going to become a butterfly. And so and that's what's supposed to happen in our lives as Christians. That we're supposed to believe in Jesus to the point that we are losing our lives, that there is death taking place, and that the character of Christ is becoming more and more evident in us. The first thing I'll ask you to repeat after me is this. Say, disbelief in Jesus is a dangerous decision. Disbelief in Jesus is a dangerous decision. See, we choose what we're going to believe. And what we find here is that, and we, we'll look at this, um, let's look at verse 37. Verse 37, it says something that is so important for us. 
It says, but although he had done so many signs before them, they did not believe in him. Although he had done everything, I, I, I need you to, I, I need you to like underline that. Although he had done so many signs before them. Although he had done so many signs before them. I want you to realize that for these 12 chapters, for three years, Jesus walked, and, and we only have seven miracles that are recorded in the Gospel of John. And in the other Gospels, we see more miracles, right? We see more stuff. And the Scriptures talk about they, they didn't even write down all of the miracles that Jesus did, right? My point is this, is that even though it says here, even though he had done so many signs for them, right, he, or before them, he had done so many signs, they did not believe. They would not believe is the way that, it, you know, you see that. They wouldn't believe, they, no matter what he did. And why do I say that that's so important? Because I want you to realize the extent and to the degree that God had strived in order to reveal himself to these people. When the scripture talks about this, God was, was striving to reveal himself. He was, he was going out of his way. I mean, come on now. God the Father sends the Son. The Son comes to this earth. He puts on flesh like a man. God is going out of his way to reveal unto us, to reveal unto these people there who he is. And they choose not to believe. Now, now, I want you to realize why this is so important because we're going to read some stuff here. And, I, and listen, I'm, I'm going to need you to do something this morning with me. You're going to have to put on your real deep theological thinking, you know, you know caps on this morning, okay? And the reason for that is because I want, I want to talk to you about some stuff that we don't want to talk about, right? Because, you know, we need to look at the scriptures and we need to see what the scriptures are saying. And, and look, we can't, this is the reality. The reality is we cannot deny scriptures, Amen. If Scripture is the highest authority in our lives, we can't deny what the Scripture is saying. Now listen, we may not feel comfortable with what the Scripture is saying. That's okay. Somebody say, that's okay. It's okay to wrestle with scriptures. It's okay. I was talking to Minister Frank the other day. Um, we were sitting down discussing the men's ministry, and we were talking about, you know, theological positions and stuff like that. And the one thing that he and I are, are agreed on is that there, there, there has to be places that we come to in the Bible where we're just like, man, I just don't understand that. I, I, don't, I, I don't know. I don't have the answer. Listen, if you found a God that you have all the answers to, you're serving the wrong God. Did you hear what I just said? If you have found a God that you can answer every single thing about him, that you know every, that you have all, if you serve that God, your God is way too small. Your God, is, your God is not immeasurable. Your God is not unsearchable. Your God is not beyond comprehension. That, and, and the God of the Bible is all of that, right? And so what we find here is that God does this. And the reason why, because this, this, this scripture here, this verse 37, puts into context the rest of the uncomfortable stuff. It is that God does something so drastic to get someone's attention and they ignore him. Let me say it like this. There is no sadder picture than that of people who have seen the works of God in front of them to decide to disbelieve and yet sadly, due to the sinfulness of men's hearts, this happened here to Jesus and still happens today. You see, Jesus was on the scene. He did all these great things. He showed himself. He preached. He clearly, I mean, come on, guys. We have gone through 12 chapters. I have done my best to point out to you every single time that Jesus made it clear that he is God incarnate. I, I mean, we, we've looked at it and we've exhausted it, right? I mean, come on, man. We're in the month of, what's this month? October. Hello, somebody. We started this in January. Do you think that we've exhausted this? I think so. Glory to God. Right? Like we have gone through the text. We have, we have chopped it up as much as possible. We've made it, I mean, as clear as we can to point out Jesus made it clear who he was. 
He didn't just say it in word. He did it in deed. And so he makes it clear to us. And so, and so the issue is these people decided, they made a decision not to believe. Now, let's keep reading the scripture so we can go ahead and we get real deep and theological. Look at verse 38. Verse 38 says that the word of, the, of Isaiah the prophet might be fulfilled. So what is the scripture saying? It's saying that the reason, now, now listen to me now. The reason they didn't believe was because prophecy had to be fulfilled. Are you hearing me? Because God prophesied, and, he's, and, and just so you can know, know this, he's prophesying or he's quoting Isaiah, right? He's quoting the book of Isaiah chapter 6, right? He's talking about when God communicated to Isaiah, Isaiah has this glorious revelation of God. And God tells Isaiah, now if you read it, you don't have to go back there right now. But if you read it, God literally tells Isaiah, look, go preach to people that are not going to listen to you. Talk about an amazing ministry, right? Like our evangelism ministry, right? They, they, they go out there, they're preaching, you know, they're ministering, and it's like, you know, hey, man, they're going out there, and, and they, they're hoping someone will listen. Well, how about if God told them, like, when they get together and pray, like, every, like I'm sure they do, they get together and they pray, and God said, no one's going to listen to you, go preach. Can I tell you, I'm gonna, can I confess something to you right now? If God would have told me, Jason, I want you to go and start a church, no one's going to listen to you, I would have said, God, I'm not doing it. I had hope that someone was going to listen. Glory to God, you're here. Amen. I don't know if you're listening, but you're here. I'm just saying, I, you're here. I, you know, we're halfway there at least, right? I'm assuming you're listening, right? I'm hoping that you're listening. But here's the deal. If God, like I would have not accepted the ministry of Isaiah. I wouldn't have been like, yes, God, I'm going. Right? I would have been like, man, for real? And Isaiah, he asked a question. He's like, God, how long? Like, he was like, is there any hope at all? Like, am I going to preach for like six months or six years? And, and then they're going to start listening? And God's like, until. Like, and a glory to God. And Isaiah's like, send me? I already said send me, so I can't change my mind, right? That's why he had this glorious encounter with God, because God knew what he was going to communicate. So anyway, he says this. Look what he says here. He says, Lord, who has believed our report? And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? Well, obviously, let's pause for a moment because the arm of the Lord has been revealed to these people, has it not? All these signs are what? The arm of the Lord, right? Now, the other part is who's believed our report. That's the question. Now, let's get a little bit further in here. In verse 39, it says, therefore, they could not believe. Now, listen, it went from that they didn't believe to now they couldn't believe, right? Now, here, here it is. They couldn't believe because what? Isaiah said again, he, who is he? All right, we're all on the same page then. You all are reading the same Bible. God has blinded their eyes and hardened their hearts. Now look at this. I, I, this, this sounds so mean. Lest, right? Lest, you know what lest means, right? Like unless, like, 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 like lest they should see with their eyes, lest they should understand with their hearts and Turn, that word turn there means to repent. So it's like God is blinding their eyes. God is hardening their hearts so that way they cannot turn. And so what? So now look at this. So that I should heal them. Now look in verse 41. He says, these things Isaiah said when he saw his glory and spoke of them. Now does that sound fair? Someone says yes. Someone says no. That's how, that's how most of us are. Some of us are like, yeah, that sounds fair. Someone's like, no, that don't sound fair. I would say yes to both. It sounds fair and it sounds unfair. Depends on how you read it, right? Now, here's the thing that I want you to understand. When we look at scriptures like this, I want you to get this. This, right, this, this scripture that I'm just reading you right now, you know how many times this, this particular scripture is quoted in the New Testament? You know how many times? 
seven times. You know why that's important for us to understand? For some reason, God inspired more than one person, more than one time, to utilize these scriptures to communicate about God's dealing with men. Think that's important? I would say so. That means that God is pretty serious about what we're talking about here. That's the reason why I didn't want to just skip over it. That's the reason why I wanted to take some time. And I want us to think about this, okay? So is it like God is just hardening their hearts because he's mean? Is, 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 is it God is just, you know, he just decided, now check it out now. He just decided, eternity past, I'm hardening their hearts. I'm deafening their ears. I'm blinding their eyes. It says it was prophesied. Now here's the thing. I'm going to let you off the hook. I'm going to give you four things you need to keep in mind when you look at this. I'm not going to leave you by yourself on this. Because when we read this, when we read this, okay, and, and when we read it superficially, when we try to understand it, it may seem harsh, it may seem manipulative, it may even seem robotic, but check this out. The first thing that I want you to get, if you're taking notes, you should be writing this down. God, and it's going to be hard for you to write all this down because some of these are really long, but check it out. I'm going to go as slow as I can, but I, I, I'm not going to be repeating this, but I will send this to you if you'd like. The first thing is God's sovereignty in these matters is never pitted against man's responsibility. Let me say it again. God's sovereignty in these matters is never pitted against human responsibility. Here's the thing. The first thing you need to understand, when you're looking at a scripture like this, it is never, well, God sovereignly just decides this. And you know what? This guy, I'm going to use Lewis for an example. It's like Lewis is running hard after God. Like he is trying to serve God and God is like, nope, you can't serve me. Can I tell you something? You are never going to find a scripture where it's that way, where it's like, oh, you know, it's God just hardened their hearts and God just made them blind just because he's God and that's it. It's, it's never that way in the scriptures. Are you hearing me? Because human responsibility plays a role in God's dealing with men. Hello, somebody. This is not something that's just some arbitrary. That, that'll get me to my second point. But this is not something that just happens just like that. Are you here? There's something that's occurring here behind the scenes. So the first thing is that you're never going to see like, you know, so you're never going to find someone. Listen, I've been, I've been a Christian. I was talking to a guy the other, um, yesterday, been a Christian for a little bit over 20 years. And can I tell you something? I have yet to find the person who is running hard after God for real, who God was like, I don't want you. Have you found that person? Anybody found that person? Because if you have, you need to let me know. Have yet to find that person. Oh, I found people that they're struggling. Hello, somebody. I found people that, that they're going through some hardships in their life. But it's not like God is just abandoning someone to themselves. Are you here? Right? Second thing, I'll point this out. This was a little bit longer. God's judicial hardening. Say judicial hardening. Judicial hardening. I, I want you to get that. This is a judicial hardening that we're seeing here that, that's being proclaimed through Isaiah. It's a hardening that has to do with judgment, right? And so God's judicial hardening, listen to this, is not presented as the capricious manipulation of an arbitrary potentate cursing morally neutral or even morally pure beings, but as a holy condemnation of a guilty people who are condemned to do and be what they themselves have chosen. I, I, know, I know that was a long and a lot, but listen to me. 
What I want you to realize, in short, if I'm going to paraphrase that, it is this. It is not like God is some God that is sitting up in heaven on a throne, and he just decides, you know what? These people are morally neutral. They, they don't have anything wrong. They have chosen me, and I reject them. That's not what's happening here. These are people who have chosen to be rebellious against God. These are people who have continuously. Now, we need to be, we need to be really contextual here because who is Jesus' primary? In, in, this, in this context, when you read, you'll see them, right? You're going to see this word them that continuously comes up in the conversation. And there are two thems that are found in chapter 12 here besides the disciples, and it's just two groups of people. It is one, it is the Jewish people, and then under that context, you have Jewish leaders. You have all these different groups of people that are Jewish, right? So they are Jewish people, they're Israelites. And then you have something else that was introduced in chapter 12, and Pastor Chad talked about them last week, and it was the Greeks. Remember those? Those were the Greeks that were believers in the God, Jehovah God, who, who, who were probably proselytes, meaning that people that converted to Judaism, that's the reason why they were there to worship. And so you have these two groups of people. And what we see is that when God is hardening someone's heart, it is because them has been doing something against God Almighty. Are you hearing me? It's not just like, oh, well, hey, you know, but, well, but wait a second, Bishop. God prophesied this. Of course he did. God knows all things. Hello? Are you hearing me? What we're seeing here is we're seeing a God's eye view of what happens to people's hearts. And when we look at this, we have to understand that God is never just saying, hey, you know what? It's not. You, you know what? You're, you're, you're trying to come after me, and I'm just, I don't care about you. It's not that way. That's not the truth. The third thing that, I, that I'll say here on this point is God's sovereignty in these matters can also be a cause for hope. Hear me. For if he is not sovereign in these areas, there is little point in, in petitioning him for help. While if he is sovereign, the anguish plea of the prophet, and you will see this in Isaiah, you can write this scripture down, Isaiah 63 verses 15 through 19, the anguished plea of the prophet and of believers throughout history of the church make sense. Here's the thing. If God is not sovereign, there is no point in crying out to him for help. Did you hear me? If he's not able to do anything, why would you cry out to him? Make sense? There would be no point in that. God shows himself. He communicates what he's going to do. But the reason he's communicating this and he's letting us know is because he wants us to know that he's sovereign. He's seated on a throne. He is in control. Nothing happens by surprise. Are you here? And so what you find is the prophet Isaiah who prophesies. Now, mind you, in chapter 6 is when he gets this vision. He gets his calling. In chapter 63, I don't know. I, 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 can, I can't tell you what has happened between chapter 6 and 63 other than a lot of prophecy. Hello, somebody. Right? That, that's a lot of chapters of prophesying. And so that means that there has been some time of this guy prophesying and what he does. And if you start reading there, you'll read for like the two chapters and a half. You're going to read him praying and crying out to God. Why does he do that? He does that because he realizes what? He realizes that while God has declared judgment, God is still merciful. Are you here? He knows that even though God has declared that their hearts are going to be hardened, their eyes are going to be blind, he knows this much that while that God declares that because of his anger, because of his disdain for rebellion, because of his disdain for disobedience, he knows that that same God is merciful. He knows that that same God is loving. He knows that that same God is gracious. And so what that tells us is that because God shows us his sovereign ability, then you know what we can do? We can call out to him and ask him for help in situations that we don't have control over. 
we can believe him. The last one that I'll say is this. And the fourth one is that God's sovereign hardening of the people in Isaiah's day, his commissioning of Isaiah to apparently fruitless ministry is a stage in God's strange work that brings God's ultimate redemptive purpose to life. Listen to me. I've said this before. I will say this until I die probably. God's plans are bigger than just you and me. Are you here? God's plans are bigger than just you and I. And so what we have to realize is that God is about redeeming. He is about delivering. He is about accomplishing his plans. That's what he's about. And you know what? What we know about God is this. Don't we know that he's a good God? Amen. Don't we know he's a loving God? Amen. Don't we know that the scriptures tell us that God does not rejoice in the death of the wicked? Does it not say that in the Old Testament to us? Does it not communicate to us in the New Testament that he is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ? Is that not what the scriptures teach us? And so that tells us some things about our God. And this is, this is the big point that I would make here. It is that when we look at a scripture like this that talks about God hardening people, understand one thing. No one in these situations is innocent. Are you here? No one. They've all earned this. They have all, de- they deserve this because of what? See, that's the reason why my sister Marisol was like, yep, that's fair. Because the reality is, these are not people that God didn't see. The reason why I had to establish verse 37 is because you have to understand the context in which God is communicating about this hardening. It is after he has reached out to people over and over and over and over and communicated his love and his grace and his mercy. And there comes a point in time that God says, okay, you don't want to respond to me, then I'll give you over to your own ways. Hello? Now listen, what should our response be? It should be two things. First of all, it should be this. If you're in this place and you're not a believer, listen, you need to repent. You need to recognize the sin of disbelief that separates you from God. You need to realize that Jesus died in your place to deliver you from this disbelief. You need to realize that God offers you new life, he offers you new identity, and he offers you a new eternal destiny. If you don't know Jesus in this place, realize that your sin separates you from God. If you're in this place and you are deciding to disbelieve, you are deciding that you are not going to believe God, then you know what that means? That means that you have an opportunity right now because again, God is reaching out graciously saying, turn from your disbelief, turn from your sin, trust me as savior and allow me to give you this new life that I died for you to have. Hello. The second thing that should happen, if you're in this place and you're a believer, this is what should happen when you read scriptures like this. You should, first of all, you should go back to the text where it's originally at. You should study those scriptures out and you should look at the way that this prophet cried out for his nation and you should become that intercessor for those people that you know are not believing God. What should happen to us is our hearts should be overwhelmed by the reality, God, I pray for your mercy. I pray for those, whoever those loved ones are that you have. God, I pray for those loved ones that I know that are not believing you, God. And I am asking you, Lord, to open their eyes. I am asking you to unstop their ears. I am asking you, I'm believing you for grace and mercy in their lives. See, that's what should occur in our lives. When we see scriptures like this, we shouldn't just turn around and be like, well, they're they're on their own. No, we should be like this prophet who did what? He cried out to God. He believed God for them. The next thing is this. Say this with me. Belief in Jesus calls for public confession. Belief in Jesus calls for public confession. Let's look at verse 42 to verse 43. It says this here. 
It says, nevertheless, and I love the way that this happens all the time when we're reading these scriptures. Nevertheless, even among the rulers, many believed in him, but because of the Pharisees, they did not confess him, lest they should be put out of the synagogue, for they loved the praise of men more than the praise of God. Listen, if there's a verse that like hits me in my heart every time I read it, it is verse 43, because I say, Lord, let me not be like that. Let me not be a person who loves the praises of men more than I love your praise. Let me not be a person who is that way. But here, here, here's what I want you to get. As, this, as with most of the people's encounters with Jesus, we see the ones who reject Jesus and those who accept Jesus and are said to have believed. Now, I need you to understand something. If the Bible says someone believed, that means they believed. Hello. Can, can, can I get an amen to that? When the Bible says someone believed, I, listen, I don't care what anybody does. I don't care what anybody says. I don't care what kind of hoops somebody tries to go through. If the Bible says someone believed, they believe, period. Are you here? Because if I, if I take it a different way, like, well, they didn't really believe, well, then the Bible shouldn't have said they believed. I'm just saying. God is perfect, right? We, we, we have to embrace this, right? So we embrace one side of this theology, this difficult thing we just got over. Well, it's the same thing here. When we look at this scripture, and the scripture says someone believed, that means that they believed. Hello. That's what it means, that they believed. But here's what I want you to get. This group of believers, they wanted to have their cake and eat it too. See, this group of believers, they believed in Jesus. They believed the signs. They were like, yep, we saw these signs and we believe. But you know what their problem was? They didn't, want to lose their, they didn't want to lose their social status. The issue was they didn't want to lose their social They wanted to make sure that they were still accepted by everyone. So you know what? They were going to be what I would call undercover believers. All right? They were going to, they were going to have their prayer time, but they weren't going to be confessing Jesus publicly. They weren't going to say that they were following him, but they were, listen, in private, the scripture, I, I didn't say this. This is what the Bible said, y'all. The Bible said that they believed. And so here's the thing. I cannot, I cannot in any way, shape, or form say to you that they didn't really believe. But can I tell you something? The Bible does warn us about denying Jesus. Does it not? It warns us about denying Jesus. And so here's the thing. Now, if I say I'm believing, remember we're talking about believing is becoming. If I'm saying I'm believing something, but I'm an undercover Christian, hello, somebody. I'm a closet Christian, right? I, just, I, I keep it all to myself. I don't share with anyone this, right? That, that, that's problematic. That's, there's an issue with that. Because now I have to look at these other scriptures. I have to say, wait a second. Well, Jesus warns about being ashamed of him. Didn't Jesus say that if you deny me before man, I will deny you before my father? Did he not? That's a clear warning. He's not warning heathens about that. Are you here, church? He's warning believers about that. It does, heathens are going to deny Jesus all day long. He's talking to us, believers. Listen, don't deny me before men. Don't, don't, don't be ashamed of me, right? So that is a clear warning for us. And so here's the thing that I want you to get. Our faith must go beyond our hearts, our church buildings, our homes, and become a display of gospel gratitude. That's what's supposed to happen. What is supposed to happen is our devotion to Jesus becomes something that is expressed, right? That's why I said belief in Jesus calls for public confession. See, here's the thing. I want you to get this. We must determine whose praise matters most to us. We must determine whose praise matters most to us. Why? Because our devotion belongs to whosever praise we long for. You see, if I'm longing for the praise of people, then you know what? I'm going to be more concerned about what they think about me than what God thinks about me. Are you here? 
You see, and these people's problem was what? That they desired the praise of men more than they desired, desired the praises of God. See, we are called to be a light in our culture. No matter what it costs us, we can't allow the opinions of others to dissuade us. My wife mentioned this morning about this, this horrific shooting in, in, in Oregon, right? And so, you know, one of the things that they said that, that was, you know, all over the social media was one of the things the guy was saying was like, you know, are you a Christian? And they were like, yeah, and those are the people that he was shooting. Those people didn't let those, they didn't, they didn't allow the gun that was in his hands to dissuade them from saying, yes, I'm a believer. They believe the, they believe the scriptures. Hey, man, I'm not going to deny him before men. And so it's, it, it is horrific what happened. But here's the thing. Most, many people that I know, there's no gun being held to their head, and they're still ashamed of Jesus. There's no one going to kill them. They're not going to die for their faith, and they won't stand up for the gospel. They won't stand up for their Savior. They won't stand up and be a representative, one that is confessing him publicly, no matter what it costs them. The third thing, I ask you to repeat after me, is that a true belief in Jesus leads to eternal life. True belief in Jesus leads to eternal life. I told you there were three groups of people, right? There were the ones that didn't believe. There were the ones that seemed to believe, and obviously they had a <clears throat> half-hearted devotion. And then there are the ones that are shown here as being what it looks like to really look like, or really look for Jesus. In light of their half-hearted confession or half-hearted belief in Jesus with these leaders, Jesus cries out in verses 44 to verse 50, and we'll read those now. He cries out with a word of encouragement and exhortation. He is calling out to build their faith and to break them free from false fear in light of correct fear. Now let's look at what these verses communicate to us here. In verse 44, it says, Then Jesus cried out and said, He who believes in me believes not in me, but in him who sent me. And he who sees me sees him who sent me. Verse 46 says, I have come as a light into the world, that whoever believes in me should not abide in darkness. Verse 47, And if anyone hears my words and does not believe them, I do not judge him, for I did not come to judge the world, but to save the world. He who rejects me and does not receive my words has that which judges him. The word that I have spoken will judge him in the last day. For I have not spoken of my own authority, but the Father who sent me gave me a command that I should say what I should say and what I should speak. And I know that this command is everlasting life. Therefore, whatever I speak, just as the Father has told me, so I speak. So three things here that we find. First of all, belief in Jesus is belief in the Father for the two are one. We see that in verses 44 to verse 45. Belief in Jesus is belief in the Father for the two are one. And so when you say you believe in Jesus, you're saying you believe in the whole Godhead. That's what you're communicating. The second thing is this. Belief in Jesus brings illumination to our lives. He said no longer if they, if, if they believe in me, he came to be what? To be a light in this world. To be a light in their lives. To first of all, lead them to him and then do what? To lead them with him for the rest of their lives. That's what Jesus communicates. But the last thing that becomes so important from verses 47 to verse 50, and hear this, belief in Jesus is a matter of eternal consequence, life and death. See, see, see here's, here's what we have to get, is that belief in Jesus is not just something that, hey man, you know, I'll put that off for tomorrow. No, none of us are promised tomorrow. 
It's not something that we should take lightly in our own lives or that we should not. Again, it brings us back to this place of intercession for those who don't know Jesus. Because what? Because it is of eternal consequence. Jesus makes it clear. He said, I am not the one that's going to judge you. It is my words that are going to judge you. Because what? Because you have chosen to disbelieve. You have chosen to reject me. Therefore, what? You're going to hear my words that are going to judge you. Are you hearing me? This is what Jesus is communicating. And so he's letting, he's letting us know and he's allowing these people in his final message, he's saying, look, this is of eternal consequence. He's trying to encourage these people who were, who were, saying, who, who were said to have believed, but they didn't want to communicate that. He was trying to encourage them and exhort them and let them know, listen, you don't need to fear, man. You don't need to worry about men kicking you out of the synagogue. You need to be more concerned with fearing me. You need to be more concerned with reverence for me, not worrying about all of these other things that we get so caught up in. We need to be concerned with what? With what God thinks about, with what God thinks about us. Jesus was sent to reveal God's gracious offer of eternal life based upon belief in him. Once we have received Jesus as Savior, we must realize, listen to me, church, we have the words of eternal life that will either bring freedom or judgment. I want you to understand this. We have been given this great responsibility. We have been entrusted with the most amazing message ever. And listen, this is the reason, and I said this a few weeks ago, I said it with the men when we were in our, when we were in, in, in our men's get-together at, at, at Minister Rob's house. What I, what, what I communicated is how important it is and my desire for us to be men of prayer. And I, and, and I don't exclude the women, but I was talking to the men at that moment. But for us to be a people of prayer, my wife talked about it this morning, talked about us having a Faith Dome Day of Prayer. Listen, we have a Faith Dome Day of Prayer every first or second Sunday of the month. As a matter of fact, we didn't have it this Sunday. We have it next Sunday. So everybody is invited to Faith Dome's Day of Prayer. Amen? It's at 7 o'clock in the morning. I see you here. Amen. Glory to God, right? We start early. Amen. We have that. We seek God, right? But I know my wife was talking about, you know, a day that we separate and, you know, we'll look at doing something like that. But the reason why this is so important, listen to me, church. We, don't, we, we should never take the communication of the gospel lightly. Because the words of the gospel are what are going to either bring freedom to someone's life or bring judgment to them at the end of their lives. Are you hearing what I'm saying? You see, for those of you that go out evangelizing, you should be broken before God on behalf of those people. You're gonna, tears should be rolling down your face consistently for those people you will encounter. Why? Because when you open your mouth to share the gospel, it isn't just I'm trying to throw seeds out there. I am speaking words that have power behind them. And these people are going to stand before a real God and they are going to either be accepted into the kingdom or rejected. And it's going to be based upon the gospel we preach. Listen, this is life or death. This is not a joke. And what we need to realize is that it's not enough for us to live righteously before people. Church, whether you're part of the evangelism team, I want you to know you are recruited into the evangelism team the moment you put your faith in Jesus. Whether you go to Crane's Roost, whether you go to the Oviedo Marketplace, whether you go with them or not, you are part of the evangelism team. The question is, are you evangelizing? 
You see, because here's what should be happening, and I, and I say this again, we should be broken before God over these souls that are going to spend eternal, eternity separated from him. In suffering, this is a big deal. Listen, when I, when I preach every week and I go through the gospel and I, you know, we're born sinners and, you know, because of our sin, we're separated from God. Listen, can I, can I just emphasize hell for a moment? <clears throat> hell is a real place. And our motivation to share the gospel with people, it should be rooted in Jesus and his love and his goodness. But can I tell you something? There should be an, act, there, there should be an extra motivation that is there. And it's the fact that people are going to spend eternity. Listen, there's no annihilation. In other words, it's not like you burn for a few months and then you're annihilated. It is eternity separated from God. It is forever separated from God, suffering and torment. That is what happens to people who die separated from God. Listen, we need to have an awakening to the reality that nobody's good works delivers them from that separation from God. Nobody can outdo their bad so that way they can be good enough to not go to hell. Are you hearing me? See, this is the message that God has entrusted us with. This is what God has said, my sons, my daughters, this is the message I've given you because that is what is going to judge all of humanity. And so please know that we have these words in us. God has entrusted us with them. And so look, I know that we all get caught up on the areas of our life that we're struggling in, but look, I want you to know that regardless of what you struggle with, regardless of what you're going through in your life, if you are a believer, you are called to be a witness. We are called to be those who share this word. And listen, I pray, I pray that from this day forward that we would begin to pray for the lost like we have never before. That we would begin to pray for people realizing that, man, if they don't respond to Jesus, they're going to they're, they're gonna be judged eternally for that. Are you hearing me? That's what these people were experiencing here. And so, look, I close with this question because I don't know, and, and, I, and I have two. I have one written down here, but one of them is, man, I mean, is your heart really really broken for those who don't know Jesus? Does your heart, does your heart break for them? Is there, is there a concern in your life? I mean, just think about those people, just for a moment, think about those people that I know, you know, I mean, you know, Brother Rob, and, and listen, I want to tell you something. I meant to say this when I got up here earlier. You know, I love our men. I mean, you know, one of, the, you know, one of them is talking about you ain't worth it, and he's just like, whatever. You know, we got another one repenting before his son over here. We got another one who ran out of his tent and was about to kill someone. I mean, you know, just, I, I, I love it. I mean, hey, we have, we have amazing men. They're just real men, and they're, you know, they're honest. We're not like, you know, perfect men. But we love Jesus, right? And we're, we're trying to follow Christ and, you know, we're honest and, you know, we're up front. And so, you know, I, 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 get, I get that, you know, and, and, we, and, and we all, you know, we all, we all struggle in different areas. But, 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 but what I, what I want to ask is, I mean, is there that brokenness in your heart over those who don't know Jesus? Is that there? You know, because a lot of times we think about those people around us, right? You know, the one that we want to smack in the head the one that we want to lay hands on. You know those coworkers that are amazing. You know those neighbors that are just awesome. But, 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 but are you concerned about their salvation? Understand this. God puts you next to some knuckleheads to bring the gospel to them. Are your hearts, are our hearts, moved by that 
or we sow in the flesh, so all about ourselves, so selfish that we can't get past their whatever to realize, man, God, I need to be praying for these people for real, not just like God help them. No, like God deliver them. Like God, for real, they really need you. Not just because I need them to be nice to me. Hello. That's my first question. My second question is, where is it that you're struggling to believe in your life? Where is it you're struggling to believe God in your life? As I said, believing is becoming, right? Believing is becoming. So where is it that you're struggling to believe God? I don't know where it is, but all, all I know is that God's grace is sufficient today to help us in that area to believe. God's grace is sufficient today to give us a heart for those who don't know Jesus. Amen? Let's stand to our feet and let's pray together. Father, I thank you today, Lord God, for my brothers and my sisters in this place. I thank you for your word that has gone forth today, God. And Father, I know that you spoke to me. I know that you spoke to my brothers and sisters today. And I just pray, Holy Spirit, that we would respond to you in faith. I pray first and foremost, Lord God, that you would give us a heart that is after yours. I pray that you would give us hearts that are submitted to you, that you would give us hearts that are yielded to you, that you would give us hearts, Lord God, that are not ashamed of you. And Father, whatever area of our lives that we may be struggling in to believe you, I just pray that you would help us to overcome those things in Jesus' name. Wherever the struggle is, Lord God, I pray that your grace would meet my brothers and my sisters right now. And I pray, Lord God, for this exhortation that came by your spirit that was not even planned in this sermon. But Lord God, regarding us caring about those who are going to be judged eternally, God. Father, break our hearts. Father, break our hearts in prayer, my God. Let us tremble at your word, my God. Let us tremble at the reality of eternity, Lord God. Let us be broken for the things that you died for, Lord God. Let the gospel motivate us, Lord. Father, I pray that you remove excuses. I pray that you remove bitterness from our hearts. I pray for mercy even upon the hearts of those, Lord God, that to us seem blind, Lord God, to us seem like they're not, they're, 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 there's no hope, Lord God. Let us know that there is hope in you. And let us pray that way in faith to a sovereign, good, and loving God. Lord, I thank you for this, and I pray this all in Jesus' good name. Someone said, come on, give God a hand of praise. He's worthy.